Altar Assembly of God, welcome to Facebook, and welcome to the conclusion of our series, Questions Jesus Asked. In our study together, we've seen that Jesus asked over 300 questions throughout the course of the Gospels. Now, a couple of weeks ago, on Easter Sunday, we looked at some of those questions, and we saw some actions of a risen and resurrected Savior. Last week, we looked at some of the questions that Jesus asked immediately following the resurrection, and we saw some of the actions about a true disciple, a true follower of Jesus Christ. Today, I want to invite you to, uh, to turn with me to John chapter 21. In this chapter, the, the final chapter in John's Gospel, we see a number of questions that Jesus asked. But what we're going to be looking at this morning are a number of discipleship reminders. Now, these, very honestly, are nothing new, but these are some reminders that in this uh, the scriptural telling of Jesus and his disciples, these are some reminders that we would do well to remember as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Allow them to nudge your heart as I believe God used it to nudge the hearts of these disciples. Here is the first one. First reminder is this. We must recognize God's voice. John chapter 21 beginning in verse 1. It says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again. Jesus had appeared several times, a couple of times already. This is now the third time that Jesus is appearing to his disciples. Verse 1 says, By the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and those are James and John, and two other disciples. So add them all up. There are seven disciples that are here together. Verse 3, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Can you imagine? Seven experienced fishermen fishing all night, working hard, and ending up with nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Uh, was it because it was morning? Was it because that uh, it was a distance? Was it that Jesus was still kind of keeping himself from being recognized? It, it doesn't say, but they didn't recognize that it was Jesus. Verse 5, he called out to them. Here's the first question. Friends, haven't you any fish? Asking fishermen, have you caught fish? <laughs> they said no. Verse 6, Jesus said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Isn't that pretty bold of a stranger? Isn't that pretty bold of, of someone who's not a fisherman to tell fishermen what to do and how to do it? When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. This is rather similar going back to Luke chapter 5. Jesus was teaching from Simon Peter's boat. They caught nothing. Jesus said, go out and let your nets into the deep. They did. They had a tremendous catch of fish. And James and John were there as well. So verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved. This is John. It's the one writing this account. He said to Peter, it is the Lord. 
As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. So the next verses describe what happened. The, the disciples get in the boat, they bring the uh, fish in, and when they get there, they see this fire of coals burning. There's some fish there, some bread there, and Jesus says, well, bring in some of the fish you've caught. And so Simon Peter gets in the boat, drags them ashore, and there was 153 fish. Check it out. Seven experienced fishermen fishing all night caught nothing. Jesus says, fish here, let the nets down here. And they caught a tremendous amount of fish. Now, verse 12 says, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? By this time, they knew it was the Lord. He came, he took bread, gave it to them, did the same with the fish. And verse 14 confirms, this is the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So a rather large chunk of scripture, but I want to focus on this thought that at first the disciples did not recognize Jesus. That they didn't realize it. They didn't, they didn't even recognize his voice when he was calling out to them. You see, they heard it, but they didn't recognize it. You see, we as disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ, the reminder is we must not just hear his voice, but understand it, recognize, and know that it's him speaking to us. One of my favorite thoughts when I think about this particular point was back in its almost 20 years ago, a little bit over 20 years, I met my wife, Kim. I was a single youth pastor at uh, Big Prairie preaching family camp services, and God brought us together. It's an incredible long story. You probably don't have time for that. We shared a little bit of that on one of our Wednesday night sessions. But we met, and uh, I got her number, and I'm getting ready that following, uh, that, that next time, to give her a phone call. So I get my trusty cordless cell, uh, phone out. It's, it's not the cell phone. This was back in 1999. And I, a little bit nervously, type in the numbers to call Kim. And so I call, and, and uh, the phone rings, and uh, this, this female voice answers the phone with one word. Hello. So I'm, I'm kind of nervous as it is. I'm giving a call, and so I kind of launch into this short little spiel about, Hi, I'm Mark Andreas, and I'm calling. I'm, I'm wanting to see if Kim's available. And there's a pause. And the voice on the other end said, This is Kim. My heart kind of, my heart kind of drops. It kind of sinks. I thought, oh, I didn't even recognize. Now, granted, it was just one word, but she said hello, and I wasn't sure that it was her. And I tried to play it off, I think, uh, uh, humorously. And the second time I gave a call, now I'm a little cautious, and I dial the numbers. The phone rings. The female voice answers. One word, same thing. Hello. I go, oh, it must be Kim. And I go, hey, Kim, it's Mark. And I launch right into what I'm going to talk about. And then there's a pause, and the voice on the other end says, well, hold on a minute, Mark. Let me get Kim. I realize I'm talking to Kim's mom. So I'm not doing very well. The first time, I, I'm not sure it's Kim, but it's her. The second time, I think it's Kim, but it's not. 
So the third time that I called Kim at her house, I had a foolproof plan. I, I dialed the number, and when that, when that phone rings, whoever would answer on the other end, I know both Kim and her mom, they both said, hello. So I'm, I'm not going to jump into, you know, whether it's Kim or not. I'm going to say something to the effect of, so how's, how's everything going today? And just ask a question and let them talk a little bit more. So that's what happened. I, I called, the voice said hello, I, I asked a question, and then stopped. I let them do some talking, and then was able to determine who it was. Honestly, I don't remember whether it was Kim or her mom, but I know that I figured it out because initially it, it took a little, little bit of time to figure out the voice, to recognize the voice. And sometimes it's like that in our walk with God. You know, we, we want to hear God's voice. We, we want Him to speak to us. But sometimes we don't always recognize when He is. We, don't, we hear Him speaking or, or, or He's definitely wanting to speak to us. But we don't quite recognize it. I want to encourage you and I to be able to hear and recognize the voice of God. Even when sometimes he's asking us to do something insignificant or a small task. For some people, uh, they sense or they, they feel like God is God's nudging them in a direction. But well, certainly this can't be God. It seems too little. It, it seems too small. And so they disregard it. Listen, there's nothing insignificant that God is calling us to or nudging us to. So let's recognize his voice even it's a, if it's a small task, because it's not beneath you. God's calling us to it. We must hear and obey and, and respond and recognize His voice, even if it's a pretty massive task. On the other hand, when that massive ask or task comes, we're not quite so sure whether it's God because we think it's too big for me. Understand this, God will strengthen and equip and empower you for the task. And so we've got to be able to not just hear, but discern and recognize this is God speaking, this is God nudging, whether it's a small task or whether it's a, a large one, recognize and obey that. Listen, we've got to hear and recognize and obey even if it's something that doesn't make sense. Maybe you've been there. And God's nudged you about something. You, you believe that God is speaking to you, but you say, I don't quite understand this. It doesn't make sense over here. I want to encourage you to sense, to recognize, but to obey and respond to the voice of God. Now you say, how in the world will I do that? Because here's the disciples, and in John chapter 21, they heard an audible voice of Jesus and they still, still didn't hear or understand or recognize that it, was, that it was him. Now, I personally, I have never heard an audible voice of God. But I've heard God's voice and recognized it. There's, there's two key ways that we can do that. One is prayer and one is reading of God's word. As we spend time in prayer with Him, as we speak and communicate, we can stop and pause and listen for that still small voice, maybe not audible, but that, that nudge into our heart as God is speaking to us through prayer. 
as well when we get into the Word of God and we open it up and we read. You've probably had the circumstance and no doubt you've heard of others who would say something to this effect. Wow, these, these words just leapt off the pages of the Bible and it felt like God was saying, this is for me today. As we read God's Word, He nudges us, He speaks to our hearts. So the Word of God and prayer, those are two key ways that we're able to hear and sense and recognize the voice of God. Certainly there's other things that as the Holy Spirit bears witness in our lives that through other godly individuals or leaders or Christians, sometimes God will use them to, to speak into our lives, circumstances as well. But we've got to be cautious. Sometimes people say, well, it's just it's circumstance. This happened, so it must be God. We do need to be cautious. Make sure that those circumstances, make sure that some of those people, make sure that even some of those leaders, what they're saying is lining up with God, lining up with His Word, lining up with prayer. But God uses a lot of different people and a lot of different means many times to speak into our lives. Will we sense it? Will we hear it? Will we recognize it? And as a result, will we respond? So I think this first reminder, it's, it's nothing new. We know we ought to hear and recognize and respond to the voice of God. That's the first discipleship reminder. Recognize His voice. There's a second discipleship reminder today, and I believe that's this. We must make God a priority. Continuing in John chapter 21, verses 15 and following, says, When they had finished eating... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Love me more than these. It's an interesting question. What exactly is Jesus getting at when he says, do you love me more than these? We could probably look at one of three potential options. Jesus could mean, do you love me more than these other men love me? These other disciples that are with you. Remember, there's seven of them who had fished, and there's Jesus. Jesus is speaking to Simon Peter. Simon, do you love me more than these other men love me? In other words, is there a higher devotion? Because a little bit earlier, before Simon Peter had fallen and, and failed and, and uh, rejected and you know, denied knowing Jesus... He basically said, even if everybody else turns against you, I never will. And so he was saying how, how high of a devotion he had for the Lord. Maybe Jesus was saying, do you love me? Do you still love me more than these other individuals love me as you've claimed? Or maybe he meant, do you love me more than you love them? Do you, do you love me more than anyone else? Is there a priority of love for me in your life? Or maybe, maybe this third category could be, do you love me more than these? This, this boat, this fishing equipment, this net, this, this occupation. You, you've gone back into fishing. Here's this incredible catch. 153 fish were caught. Simon? Do you love me more than this act of fishing, more than this occupation, more than who you are as you get out into a boat and, and put those nets in the water? Do you love me more than anything? Those are good questions for you and I to answer. 
Do, do we have a devotion? Do we have a priority for him more than anyone or anything else? More than a job, more than resources, more than stuff, more than money and finances, more than this individual, more than that individual. Now, Peter's response, he says, well, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, it's, it's interesting. And in English, we, we use that word love. Well, we use it in a lot of ways. We can say, I love, Brookie would say, I love Louie. That's our dog, Shad. She would also say, well, I love ice cream. Or I love cake. I mean, we, we toss that word love out. We, we might talk about loving a friend, loving a spouse, loving a child, loving a grandchild. Loving this car, loving this color. So we use love, same word love, but in a lot of different contexts. New Testament here, written primarily in Greek. And in Greek, there's a number of different verbs for that word love. There's eros, agape, and phileo. Now, Jesus' use of love and Peter's use of love are not eros. Eros is more of the, the physical, more of the passionate, maybe more of a, a husband-wife type love. Jesus is saying, do you love me? And he's using this word agape. Agape is more of a selfless, a sacrificial, kind of an all-in encompassing love. And Simon Peter, in response, he's using the term or the, the Greek verb phileo. In other words, there's this brotherly love. It's, it's maybe more along the lines of like. So Jesus is saying, do you have this wholehearted love and devotion? And, and Simon Peter said, well, you know that I kind of sort of like you. So we've got Greek verbs. We've got English verbs. Let's, let's translate it maybe to a different way. Emojis. Alright? So, agape love, that might be maybe a little bit more of the heart emoji. And then we've got phileo love, maybe a little bit more of the thumbs up emoji. So here's Jesus, and he's kind of taking Peter off to the side. He's, he's looking him in the face, and he's saying, Peter, do you love? Is your heart of love and devotion for me? And Peter says, well, you know that I thumbs up you. You know that I'm pretty, I'm pretty good with you. And what happens here is two more times Jesus is asking the questions. So we continue. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And then again, the second time he says, do you love me? Simon Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. The third time, do you love me? The Bible says that Peter was hurt because he asked him the third time. And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. What's interesting is that that last time Jesus switches the verbs and he uses the phileo. So it's basically, he's saying, do you love, do you have this heart of devotion for me? And Peter says, well, yeah, thumbs up, Jesus. All right, well, do you really love me? Absolutely. Thumbs up, Jesus. And the final time he says, well, do you thumbs up? Do you, do you love me? And this, this brotherly love. And Peter says, yes, you know that I do. Listen, I think Jesus is driving at Peter. And the encouragement and the reminder for you and for me is this. Are we going to have this wholehearted devotion to him 
above everyone else and everything else. What's interesting as well, Peter denied Jesus. You go back into the scriptures as, as Jesus was arrested and taken away. He said, I'll never, I'll, if everyone turns away, I won't. And yet three times, and Jesus prophesied before the, uh, the rooster would crow three times, you'll deny me. Three times. And that's exactly what he did. Time after time after time, he denied Jesus. And now Jesus gives the opportunity three different times as he's seeking to affirm his love and affection and devotion for him. And then he gives them a task to do. He says, to feed my lambs, feed my sheep, take care of these individuals that you're going to be reaching. As earlier he called him Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. You're going to be a strategic part of moving forward. Forgiving his, his mess-ups and his failures and recognizing now this devotion that he has. The challenge for you and I is this. Is God a priority in our lives? Many people will often say, you can tell a priority in someone's life by how they spend their time and how they spend their resources. So take a look at someone's calendar. Take a look at someone's bank account. How you invest your time lets you know what's important. And then how you invest your resources, your finances, will let you know what's important. Take a look at your calendar, whether that's on uh, your cell phone, whether that's on a, a paper calendar, and see what is it that you are doing throughout the day. Even in the midst of this coronavirus situation with a, a stay-at-home order and, and uh, challenges that shift our schedule, how are we investing that time and how are we investing the, the finances and the resources that we have? We can say that we love God. We can say that we've got a heart for Jesus Christ, but do we show it? The 1990s DC Talk song said that love is a verb. It, it requires action. It, we know actions speak louder than words. So if we say, I love Jesus, but yet we don't show it in our actions, is it really true? For instance, I, I look at my wife, Kim's off to the side here. I say, baby, I love you. Now for real, our 20th anniversary is coming up in just a couple months. June 3rd, it will be 20 years. That's awesome. Baby, I love you. But what, what, if, what if I put it to her like this? I say, Kim, I love you. I just never want to tell you that because I'm sure you probably know it. In fact, I never really want to talk to you, but if I do talk to you, it's because I want something from you. And I really don't want you to talk to me ever. You don't talk to me. I'll just talk to you, but that's the only one I want stuff. And yeah, I don't really need to think about you. Maybe I'll think about you one day a week, you know, Sunday mornings for about an hour, hour and a half. That's the time of the week I'll think about you. And, you know, that hour is going to be a great hour. But the rest of the week, I'm really not going to think about you. I'm not going to talk to you unless I want something. And I sure don't want you to talk to me because if you talk to me, you, you might want something of me or from me. And I, I just don't know if I want that. You want to be a big part of my life, but I, I might just kind of push back on that. What if, I, what if I say, you know, I love you, I just won't tell anybody else 
then I love you. In fact, I'm not even going to tell people that I'm married. And in fact, this wedding ring, what, what if I were to take it off when I go out in public? That way nobody has any questions or I won't get asked whether I'm one of those married people. I mean, I don't necessarily act like I'm married, but I am. And I love you, baby. What do you think? Is that going to go over well? Chances are it won't. But yet many times we do that exact same thing with God. We say how much we love Him. We say how much we serve Him. And, and He's the one that we want to live for. Yet we really don't want Him to speak to us. We just want to speak to Him. And that's in prayer when we need stuff. And when we go out and about, we're not sure that we want anybody else to know that we're a Christian or that, that we want anybody else to know that we love God because what would they say? Do we truly have a heart of love and devotion and priority for God? I believe what Jesus is driving at with Peter is the reminder for you and the reminder for me, make God a priority in our life. Here's a third discipleship reminder. The challenge is this. We must serve God to the very end. John chapter 21, next couple verses read like this. Jesus continues speaking to Peter after he's asked him three times, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? Verse 18, he says, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to Peter, follow me. It's interesting. These are the exact same words that Jesus spoke to Peter when he called him and asked him to follow him in Matthew chapter 4. Follow me. He's saying that same calling. In other words, I, I asked you earlier, I'm going to ask you again and ask you again, will you faithfully serve me all the way to the end? Now, he says, at some point, they'll stretch out your hands and, and someone will dress you and lead you. Uh, he's not talking about, uh, you know, someone who's going to, to put his cloak or his clothes on. He's, he's really prophesying about how Peter would die. In fact, Jesus said this would indicate the kind of death that he would experience. And so commentators believe, you know, stretching out his hands, they're indicating that Jesus is prophesying Peter would die upon a cross, crucified. Now, sometimes we think only Jesus was crucified. Well, we look and, and we think, certainly... It, in the, the day and time in the Romans, many other individuals, a, a lot of thieves and robbers and individuals were crucified. Jesus was one of those. But think about the other believers, the other disciples and followers, many of whom experienced a, a rather painful and agonizing death. There's a book entitled Fox's Book of Martyrs, and it, it writes about so many of the believers and the followers in the early church history. And according to Tradition, according to church history, it, it does say that Peter was crucified, his hands outstretched upon a cross as Jesus prophesied. 
Now, according to church historians, though, Peter was crucified upside down. And it was at his request saying he was not worthy of being crucified in the same manner as his Savior, Jesus Christ. And so he was crucified upside down. You want to talk about faithfulness to the end? Even though he had failed and messed up uh, at different times, and sometimes he stuck his foot in his mouth, and yet he was faithful to the very end, even to the point of death. Incredible. Listen, it's one thing to uh, experience some inconveniences, and, and particularly for a short season of time. We know that all of our lives have changed as a result of this coronavirus, the COVID-19 situation. Everything from jobs to uh, how we worship, the fact that we're worshiping like this. Uh, many of you, you're, you're watching on a cell phone or you're watching on a computer or tablet or casting it to a big screen TV and maybe you're, you're in your pajamas and, and you've got a cup of coffee. I mean, everything has shifted and changed and it's, it's rather inconvenient in our lives. How we function has changed. How we connect with others have changed. And certainly in the midst of that, we're, we're thankful for the technology that we have. And, and we're thankful that you're worshiping with us and joining in with us. But what about when things get maybe just a little different or just a little bit more difficult? At some point, and, and uh, this COVID-19 situation is a little bit more under control and, and things uh, will begin to open up a little bit more, whether that's in weeks or, or months perhaps. What about you? What will happen on a Sunday then when it's going to take a little bit more time to get up, a little bit more time to get ready, a little bit more time to, to get in a vehicle and drive to a church service to spend some time around other people to then get back in the vehicle and head home? It's, it's been so easy for many people to roll out of bed and look at a phone. And we're thankful for that. But what about when things are a little bit more challenging? Will we still have faithfulness and devotion to God? We're thankful for so many churches and, and so many pastors and so many missionaries and ministries providing opportunities all week long on websites and on YouTube and right here on Facebook. But the challenge is, how will and will we continue to serve Him faithfully to the end? Now, Jesus prophesied that Peter would be martyred, put to death for his faith. And that shows that commitment to Jesus often comes with a price. Are you and I willing to pay that price if that price is small or large? We, we certainly don't seek persecution. And I, don't, I don't know of anybody who says, hey, come and beat me up for Jesus. We would rather to have peace and calm and, and an easy life. But sometimes going through that's an indicator of that love and faithfulness to the Lord. Are we willing to experience hardship and difficulty for the cause of Christ? Are we willing that our faith is visible, that other people can see, and that other people do ask about and sometimes tease about or make fun about or persecute because of the fact that we're a Christian? Here's Peter. Jesus prophesied to him exactly what would happen. Here's what's going to happen, Peter. You'll be crucified because of your faithfulness for me. And Peter still did it. He still lived faithfully for the Lord. I don't know. 
Would you be able to do that? Knowing that that's what's going to happen, would you still faithfully live for God knowing that that is down the road? believe that he's encouraging and reminding Peter, and I believe he's speaking to you and he's speaking to me, that we must faithfully serve God to the end. It's a reminder. It's not something new that we've not heard before, but as, as his, his time with his disciples are coming to a close, it's a great reminder for them and for us. Here's our final reminder this morning. I believe that we must focus on God. In the world of all of our distractions, we've got to zero in and focus on God. Check out these next several verses in John chapter 21. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? Once again, this is John. So it's John's gospel. John's writing it. John is... Right there, he was one of the disciples in the boat. And so Jesus had been speaking to Peter. Maybe they went off to the side and, and Jesus asked him, you know, those three questions, do you love me? And, and how he prophesies about his death. Well, somehow, some way, John shows up and, and he comes up as Jesus is speaking to Peter. And verse 21 says, when Peter saw him, when Peter saw John nearby, he then turns and asks Jesus, Lord, what about him? I mean, you just revealed a pretty sobering future for me. You've said I'm going to be crucified. You've said that you wanted me to serve faithfully to the end. What about these other disciples? What about this guy? What about John? Jesus answers. Here's where that final question comes in. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. There's, there's those words again. Follow me, the instructions. Now because of this, verse 23 says, the rumor spread among the disciples, uh, the believers, that this disciple, that John, would not die. But Jesus didn't say he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive, what is that to you? The challenge here, the reminder that is here, is that we must focus on God. In other words, if you put it in uh, maybe today's language, it might be, mind your own business. You focus on you. You focus on your relationship with me. And don't worry about everybody else that's around. But see, this is a, it's a pretty natural human question. Uh, what about? What about? What about this person? What about that person, Jesus? Uh, what about what they're doing? Our natural thought many times is to ask about other people. And we can often tend to then focus on other people, focus on what they're doing or what we're not doing, and what it ends up being is more of a comparison game. We're not to compare or contrast our lives with others, because when we do that, inevitably, someone looks good and someone looks not so good. If we compare ourselves to someone else, there's typically always somebody else that we can find that we say, well, compared to them, I look like a pretty good Christian. I'm living pretty good. I mean, I can't believe them. They don't do this, but look what I do. On the flip side, there's always somebody else that we can look to and say, oh man, their life is so much better, so much this, so much that. Why don't I have what they have? 
And our, our life sometimes boils down to comparisons. If, if we're struggling in our health and we see someone else who doesn't seem to have struggles, we might turn to God and say, God, what about them? Why aren't they facing what I'm facing in my physical body? Maybe the challenges are finances. When things are, are, are tight and, and struggling to make the ends meet and you look at someone else who seems to continually be blessed, maybe the thought is, well, God, what about them? Why aren't they going through the difficulties that I am? It's, it's so easy to, to look and compare and contrast us with someone else. And no matter what we do or no matter what it looks like, chances are we can end up bitter or jaded or discouraged or disappointed. And many times, any, any of those comparisons will bring us away from God. You see, our love for Him, our, our focus and faithfulness for Him should not be dependent on or contingent on what other people do. Well, I'll only worship God if I worship God maybe just a little better than this person. My walk with God shouldn't depend on someone else and shouldn't be compared to someone else. I should just be seeking to grow and focus and be in, as close as I can in this walk with God. The question is this. Will I continue and will you continue to serve and follow and seek hard after Jesus Christ even if some other people choose not to? Well, what about them? They're, they're not choosing God. They're not seeking after Him. The question is, what about you? Will you focus on God? Do we compare ourselves with what other people aren't doing? Uh, that's easy to do as well. Well, you know, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm involved in this. But I, I can't believe this person or that person. They're not doing what I'm choosing to do. We make it a comparison. And it shouldn't be. Jesus is saying, focus on me. Simon Peter, don't worry about John. Don't worry about him. I've got plans for him. But understand, I've got, I've got plans. I've got good plans for you. You simply focus on me. Quit worrying about other people. Quit worrying about other things. And focus on me. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Let us... Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter, or the author and finisher of our faith. He's begun it, He's going to complete it, and everything in between. That's who we focus on. Not these other individuals, not these other circumstances, not these other situations or things around us. We focus on Jesus Christ. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. It might not be exactly what he had for Simon Peter. It might not include you giving your life as a martyr for Jesus Christ. But it might involve some difficulty. It might involve some hardship. Are you willing to focus on him and serve him to the end? What we see here, these series of questions as Jesus is continuing to invest in his disciples. It's the third appearance as he appears to them, as he speaks into their lives. These are some reminders for his disciples. And I believe these are reminders for you and for me as well. These are nothing new under the sun. It's a reminder that he's saying, as a disciple, as a follower of me, 
that you ought to do these things. We are to recognize His voice. Make Him a priority. Serve Him to the very end. And then focus, zero in on Him. 